This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online, and I played hooky last week. Uh, it was Memorial Day weekend, uh, and uh, the Minnesota Wild were playing Game 7 of the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs on Friday night. So I used those for a couple excuses for not doing a show, plus the fact that I didn't quite have something together. I mean, I, I had all the elements. I just needed to get it all together. And as it turns out... Taking that break made one of the things that I was going to talk about last week a little more hmm, is relevant, the word, to be talking about it this week. You'll see when I get to it. Uh, so last uh, weekend was Memorial Day weekend. Uh, on Sunday, we the Fitzsimmons family, not just, not just Amy and Hayden and I, but uh, my parents... My older brother and his wife, my sister and her husband, and my younger brother and his girlfriend, and my sister and her husband's dogs, uh, all got together at my younger brother Steve's house. Uh, he's got a new house, he and his girlfriend do, and, and he said, we should all be vaccinated by then, and we were. Hayden was the last to be fully vaccinated of the group, and he was considered fully vaccinated oh, th- two or three days before we we were all we all met up. So we were all fully vaxxed. So we uh, so there was you know no masks. Uh, there was uh, you know hugging. We could sit next to each other. It was, no worries. It was great. Uh, it was the first time. That all of those Fitzsimmonses and and their and their extras uh, were able to get together since Christmas 2019, which was at my parents' place. So it was just it was great. Um, uh, I drove my parents up there. Uh, we took their car. It's a little more roomy. Uh, my sister called and said, "Hey, you know, you might want to drive mom and dad up. You know, why make dad drive?" And I said, "That's fine. You know, I think that's a good idea." And I was thinking about asking him if he wanted me to do that as well. And he said, "Sure, that'd be great." So we all drove up together. And here's a little, here's a little extra special aspect here. A couple of weeks before the big event, my sister called and asked me, uh, "You guys doing anything special for Hayden's graduation? Because my our son is graduating." next week from high school it's hard to believe <laughs> when I started doing this show he was uh, he was seven gonna turn eight he's now about to turn 18 is that right 
Has it been 11 years since then? I, I, I lose count. I think it's been 11 years since. So anyway, whatever he was, I mean, it's it's hard to believe that he's he's going to be graduating. Anyway, she, so she, she asked if we were doing something. Well, my son is a pretty low-key kind of a kid. And he, did, he said, no, he didn't want any kind of party. You know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want that. I said, okay, you know, that's good, fine, cool. Um, and But my sister said, okay, well, we're going to do a little something for him. The whole family's going to be up there at Steve's. Let's do a little something for him. Some cake, some decorations, you know, and the and the aunts and uncles can and grandma and grandpa can give them gifts or whatever they're going to give them, and we'll just do that. Just a little something, nothing too, nothing too big, but a little something. But don't tell Hayden, and we didn't. So when the the group of us, the five of us, are pulling up out in front of Steve's house, is a great big sign that says "Congratulations, Hayden," and there's a couple other little high school related graduation sayings on there like the tassel was worth the hassle and it's a really nice signage that they put up there which apparently you can rent these things which which makes sense i mean why would you buy that because i mean how often are you gonna be able to use it right how often is he gonna graduate co uh, high school in 2021 because the date was in there too uh and so it was great hayden was surprised um and pleased he, he, he enjoyed that. And we also just enjoyed, like, it's just enjoyed being together. We were able to take a whole family picture, uh, you know, with Hayden's sign in there. And, uh, you know, and, and I, I said, you know, it's it's not going to be long. Uh, I mean, we don't know how much longer we're going to be able to do a full picture like that, meaning, you know, Grandpa and Grandma, Mom and Dad, they're up there. And you know they may not, uh, may they may not be gone uh, soon, but they might. Who knows? They might be unable to travel or unable to do such events, you know, because of illness or whatever. So let's get the picture while we can. Uh, there was something that uh, that uh, Steve had for me. Uh, he says, "Oh, Jim, I got something for you." And I said, "Okay, cool." And uh, so, he goes over to the refrigerator out in the garage, and he opens it up and he takes out a bottle of a custom-made soda pop. There's a there's a there's a shop near where he lives that makes their own soda, and uh, they'll they'll make unusual flavors like licorice, and they'll make uh, you know like colas and that kind of stuff. But they they'll also make a cream soda, which I do like cream soda. I've liked it since I was a kid, and. Um, so he, he had a special one that he knew I'd, I'd appreciate. Uh, they make their own little labels for them and everything. So this one was a Farrah Fawcett cream soda. And the picture on the label was the uh, famous poster. You know, the, the, I think it might still be the, the best-selling poster of all time. You know, the highest-selling poster or something like the you know set records. At least it did at the time. I think it might still hold the record. I'm not sure. It's the one which is in the red bathing suit. I own two of that of that particular po uh, poster, and I thought that was great. So I stood uh, stood for a picture holding the bottle, and, and then I put that on Facebook. And this led to my getting a call from my friend Michael, who lives out there in California. Uh, a couple of years ago, a couple of years ago this month, actually, uh, I, uh, another friend, Douglas, and I went out to California to, you know, the, the three of us met there. Douglas lives in upstate New York. Michael lives out in California. So the three of us went out to California, stayed over at, at Michael's place, and we met each other. We knew each other on the internets, but we never actually met each other. So we, we go out there, and we did that a couple of years ago. Well, Michael just had to call, because this is the kind of guy he is. He just had to call 
and, and do a FaceTime thing with me and said, you know, oh boy, did you get gray? <laughs> he said, what a difference two years makes. He says, this pandemic must have been really hard on you. And I said, so in the picture, I do look pretty gray on the sides. The hair on the top, not so gray. Eh, kind of, a little. But on the sides, really, it did look gray. And I, and, and I, I said, I, you know, which leads to this, this you, know, you know, thank you, Michael. That's, that's great of you to tell me that. But, you know, actually, I like my gray. I, I don't care. You know, it doesn't bother me that I'm getting gray. I think I've earned it, and I, I enjoy it, and I don't care. Um, and, you know, my mom always likes to point out over, over the last few years as I've been going gray, she says, oh, you've got more gray hair than I've got. You know, and, and my mom, who is 84, does not have a lot of gray. She had just dark hair, dark black. You know, she had black hair, kind of a brownish black hair, you know, kind of. And and uh, over the years, it's it's lightened a little bit, but she she doesn't show a lot of gray. Yeah, you know, she doesn't have a lot. And and people have asked her if she colors her hair. My mom always makes the same joke. When they ask her that, she says, "If I did, do you think I'd pick this color? Because it's you know, it's it's you know, it's it's not a fancy color." <laughs> um, and 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 so I. But the thing is. I look in the mirror, and I don't I don't see the gray quite as much in the mirror. And I turn to the side, and it depends on how the lighting hits it. Maybe I'll see it more. And I and so I took a picture, under you know the, the picture of me holding the Farrah Fawcett uh, cream soda was taken outside. And so I took another picture inside in the bathroom over here, just just over there. Uh, I took a picture there and posted it on Facebook as well in the threads. It doesn't look so gray there. You know, it's it's the lighting. I don't know. There's gray in there. It's there. I'm not denying it, but it's it's weird the lighting. Of course, I was accused of using Grecian formula, which I do not. But you know, only my hairdresser knows for sure. So yeah, thank you, Michael, for calling up to tell me that I'm getting old looking. Uh, the thing, uh, this this is the thing that I was going to talk about last week. But I didn't do a show, and it's it's more timely this week to talk about it. Um, I I think I've I, I'm pretty sure I've talked about this in the past uh, on this program. But this show's been running for is it eleven years? I think it's eleven years. This show's been on for that long. I'm going to repeat some stories. Come on, I've only got so many, <laughs> and uh, uh, so um, back in the early 90s 92 or so i started listening to talk radio there was a station here in the twin cities uh it still exists but now it's a sports talk station uh at the time it was it, it's the the call letters are kstp which still are uh and it said kstp am 1500 the talk station and it was talk that's you know rush limbaugh was on in the afternoon but they also had somebody on in the eve at night, uh, you know, from the six o'clock to nine, uh, six to eight or something slot. Uh, there was a, a very, very liberal uh, show host named Terry Ryder. She was on for a while, and you know, and so it was a kind of a mix. It was just at the beginning days of talk radio really pushing over to the right, but it hadn't quite completed, completely happened at the time I started listening to it here. Uh, and there was a show that had really no politics to it uh, at all. And it was it was uh, it was on from three in the afternoon till six in the evening. 
That would be the, the afternoon drive slot. And the host of that show was a fellow named Don Vogel. And uh, Don Vogel uh, uh, was made for radio. He was born to do radio. Uh, he was funny. He was irreverent. A little sophomoric in his humor sometimes. He could make up songs on the spot, or at least it seemed like he was making them up on the spot. Uh, he, he, he could do voices, uh, primarily uh, Richard Nixon and Howard Cosell. He did a fabulous Howard Cosell. I mean, a really good Howard Cosell, especially when he was at the full strength of his powers, you know, the, that he would he have all his faculties working just, you know, really well. Um, he could do uh, just an outstanding Howard Cosell. Uh, his, like, his show was just this, quiet, not quiet, it was just uh, an oasis from the politics for the rest of the day. It was a, it was a bit of fun and just just have some you know just enjoy yourselves uh he had a co-host when i started listening to him his name was uh, uh, td mishki or tommy mishki and tommy was also one of those guys that was made for radio he's just he did good radio now he would ma not make up songs on the spot but he would make it seem like he made up songs on the spot and they would last way too long but the show was still very entertaining to listen when he started doing his own show. But he was hosting with Don. Uh, Don discovered him back in the 80s when, when Tommy would call in as the Phantom Caller. He would just call in and play a character. Just go into whatever his bit was going to be. He'd just do a character. And after a while, Don really liked him and asked him onto the show. Well, sometime in the... I think maybe like 1990 or early, or maybe the later 80s or something, he, he went to Chicago and did radio in Chicago for a while. Uh, but then he came back to the Twin Cities, and that's when he picked up Tommy Mischke to, to co-host with the show. And uh, it's just it, so good. And, and the thing about Don Vogel was uh, that he was blind from birth. So he would use that as part of his, you know, as part of his shtick. He would, he'd, he'd had this slogan, let a blind man drive you home. Uh, he would, and, and, if, and there would be bumper stickers that would say that, and a lot of people who might not be hip to the radio, radio show would be driving by and see that bumper say, let a blind man drive you home? What the hell's that about? You know, that kind of thing. Uh, and he, 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 uh, it's just, just really dug listening to him. Um, he... When the, uh, there was a, a minor league team that was uh, being uh, put into St. Paul, um, uh, Mike Vec, son of Bill Vec. Bill Vec, I think, was the owner of the Chicago White Sox for a time. Real promotional kind of guy. He was responsible for the death of the disco night that didn't go very well at, the, at Comiskey Park. Uh, and, and his son, Mike Vec, picked up on this showmanship kind of guy, uh, personality. And he and Bill Murray... And I guess some other people bought in this 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 minor league team, brought it to St. Paul, and called it the St. Paul Saints. There was a St. Paul Saints team minor league team back uh, in the old old days in the Twin Cities that uh, folded in 1960 or moved or something like that. So they brought this team back in '93, '92, '93, and they had Don Vogel throw out the first pitch. A blind guy throughout the first pitch, and uh, and I, I I went to the, the station that was out on uh, Highway 61, not all that far from where I live. Uh, I they, they were doing they were practicing throwing the pitch, and I went to watch uh, Don do that with Tommy. It's fun, um, and when and there was something that was really uh, um, great about Don 
other than he's just this entertaining and all that stuff. But there was this, this moment that you could have with him without knowing, without him knowing you were really having that moment with him. He would tell his listeners that at the top of the hour, when they take the long break for the local news, national news, and all that kind of stuff, they take a long break, he would go out in front of the station and have a smoke. And he says, if you're driving by on Highway 61, you see me out there, honk your horn. You know, let me know you're there. And there was at least once I've done it, maybe a couple of times, honk the horn, and up would go his hand, just really enthusiastically waving in the direction of, of the sound of the horn. And it just made the rest of my night. I was heading off to clean buildings or something, and I just, there's Don. Honk, honk, honk. Hey, you know, you just wave. It was great. Um, and I bring it up. And why it's more timely to talk about this this right now is that uh, um, Don died on June fifth, nineteen ninety five. He had bl- bladder cancer. He, from what I understood, what I learned uh, after the announcement, you know, we knew he was sick. We knew he had cancer. He would take time off. He'd come back. He did his last show a couple weeks before he died, uh, but he didn't, you know, didn't want to talk about it. Uh, what we learned was that uh, he was told by his doctors that if he did all the treatment stuff that they could do for this bladder cancer, he'd still only have about a 50-50 chance to live. And he decided, you know what, let's just not worry about it. I'll just let it ride out. And that's how he went. And he was 49 years old. And so when I real- what I was going to tell that story, and I've got another one to tell, but i got to go to my break pretty quick. Um, he, you know, when I was going to tell it last week, didn't do the show, so in the meantime, I went up and I was looking for some video stuff, and I found a news report, which I'll link to on the show notes page. Go to dimland.com, dimland.com, click on the show notes blog option, and you'll get to the show notes. Uh, I'll link to some of the stuff where Don, you can hear Don doing uh, Richard Nixon. Uh, you can hear him doing a, a Howard Cosell. It's just good stuff. Uh, I might even put up a little something from Tommy Mischke, and, and it, it, which is also good stuff. Um, and the and the and the KSTP TV report about Don dying, uh, and I'll have that up there. And when they when I saw that report, it said it was June fifth, nineteen ninety five, and I went, "Holy shit! It's been twenty six years. What the hell, man? <laughs> twenty six years." Uh, but and and so when this show posts, the date on the show will be June five. Uh, so it's what do you know? What a coincidence! And it is a coincidence. It's a coincidence. What's not a coincidence uh, is I've gotten to my next, uh, to my first break. Actually, uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. Uh, I will return with another little story about Don Vogel and another local uh, celebrity person guy. Uh, you'll hear it. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. Warmer weather in Minnesota means deer ticks are now feeding in a wooded area near you. Fight the bite. To avoid Lyme and other diseases from deer ticks, use tick repellent. 
This message from the Minnesota Department of Health. Remember, there's no hugging in the chat room. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. If this station's not your cup of tea... Then drink coffee! 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 Drink coffee! 100% news. 100% information. 100% guarantee. But you might say that. <laughs> You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. Uh, <laughs> I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. I was talking about Don Vogel, and and uh, I had another story uh, uh, related to Don, but and also an, and, to, and to Tommy Mischke, and to another uh, local celebrity, all, a little more than just local, this guy, uh, Chris Mars. Chris Mars was one of the founding members of the uh, Critics Darling Band from the 80s, well, late 70s, 80s. Um, Minneapolis's own The Replacements. A band that should have been bigger than they were, uh, but they just they seemed to, to sabotage their own success as much as they could. And uh, there was a song that they did called Can't Hardly Wait, which I wish I would have loaded I don't know if I have that as a bumper but uh, can't hardly wait I don't know how that was not a hit song it's it should be a hit song anyway uh, Chris Mars was a member of the Don squad what's the Don squad well that's what Don called his most loyalist fans the people that listened every day that would call in once in a while well Chris I don't think ever called in but we I learned from listening to the show that that Chris Mars was a fan of Don Vogel. He had had some communication with them and just kind of told people, you know, Chris Mars likes the show, listens to the show, he's got a new album out, you should check it out, something like that. And and so I knew this. I had this little nugget of information rolling around in my brain. One year, uh, a friend of mine and I went to the Minnesota State Fair. Now that happens at the end of every summer here in Minnesota, the last 10 days of summer. Uh, the last day of the State Fair is Labor Day each year. So for those, those last 10 days, there's, it's the great Minnesota get-together. It's one. It's pretty popular uh, State Fair. It, gets, it, it has a lot of people show up. Last year, they had to do something pretty subdued. They couldn't do the straight-on fair like they would normally do, but they had a part where you could drive in and you could go to places and, and, get, and get fair food, <laughs> State Fair food. You know, anything on a stick, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, But this year, I, I bet you they're just going to have, you know, crowds that are just going to, they're going to set records for sure. They're just going to, because people are just going to be, the summer could be pretty active. Um, anyway, so I knew this about uh, Chris Mars. And uh, so the one year, uh, 
uh, my friend and I, we go out to the state fair, and part of why we wanted to go to the state fair was we wanted to watch Don and Tommy do their show because the uh, KSTP, the radio station, would have their radio personalities broadcast from the fair. And you can go and watch them do it. There's they they have a nice uh, set up booth set up. It's got a glass, you know, that, you can see, you know, that keeps it a little soundproofed, and you can you see in there, watch them do their thing. Uh, they would have a, mic- a microphone set up outside, so if they want to interact with the crowd, they can. And uh, so, so my friend and I were watching uh, Don and Tommy do their thing, and I'm looking around the crowd, and I saw Chris Mars. I know what the guy looks like. I've seen the replacements a couple times in concert. I know what Chris Mars looks like. And I, I, I see Chris Mars. And something came over me. I don't know what it was. Something came over me. I couldn't stop myself. Well, I did have the discretion to wait until Don and Tommy were in a commercial break. So I went up to the glass, and I got Tommy's attention. And I tried to tell him that Chris Mars was in the crowd. Don't ask me why I felt compelled to do it. I just did. Starstruck? Is that what I, I was? I don't know. But Tommy couldn't hear me. He could see me, but he couldn't hear me. Uh, it, it, because of the glass. And I kept... But I didn't want to get too loud. But, you know, I, I tried. And then after some point, I said, never mind, never mind, never mind. And I went back and stood with my friend. Well, they went back on the air. And it's just about the first thing that Tommy does. He says, hey, there's this guy. There's a guy. And he looks over and he finds me. And he says, yeah, this guy over here was trying to tell me something uh, during the break. But I couldn't hear him. He said, come on. Hey, what, what was it you tried to come up to the microphone. What was it you were trying to say? And I said, no, 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 no. Said, no, no come on up to the microphone. No, 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 no. Come up to the microphone. No, no, no. So I, I schlep up to the microphone. And I, I just I, I said, well, I, I was just pointing out that uh, Chris Mars is in the crowd. And Don and Tommy light up. Is he? Tommy's looking around. Where is he? Where is he? Where are you, Chris? Where are you, Chris? And then Chris puts his hand up. And oh, there you are. And Don says, Chris, come on in here. Come on in. You'll have a talk. Come on in. Let's see. So we did. And and they so they have a talk for like I don't know ten minutes, and then they go to their next break, and they they only thank Chris, and he leaves, and he I watch him walk out, and he goes over to his friends, and I'm standing with my friend who was saying to me, what the hell got into you? What's wrong with you? And I said I don't know, I don't know, and I and I I wanted to go over to Chris, and apologize to him. I wanted to, but uh, you know the the spirit might have been willing, the flesh was weak. We just, the two of us just ended up slinking away. Just, I was mightily embarrassed. Ugh. Anyway. I don't know what happened. I, t- I don't know what happened. Uh, let's see, what have I got next? <laughs> what have I got next? I got, uh, let's just call it up here, and let's do this little thing right here. not true uh, I, I bring this up because um, uh, it was inspired by something that was posted on the marquee of a movie theater that is about a half a block away from where my my, my parents live um, during the pandemic the, the movie theater has been shut down but they the the owners of the theater had hit upon the idea 
of uh, putting a movie quote on the marquee each week. Each week, each Monday, at some point, there'd be a new movie quote up there. And sometimes I knew what the movies were. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'd look up the ones I didn't know. And, oh, that's what that's from. Never saw that movie. Okay, whatever. And it was just this neat little thing that they've been doing. And and this week, this past week, and I wrote it down. Hang on. Let's get the paper out here. Let's do a little crinkly crinklies. There we go. Uh, what they posted on their marquee, and they must have, and it's the old style marquee where they put the plastic letters, they slide them into the little slots. It's not electronic kind of thing. So they, they have that kind of, so they must have a buttload of uh, letters to use. Now, they wrote, uh, the quote they have up there is, the bee, of course, flies anyway, because bees don't care what humans think is impossible. Now that quote is from the 2007 animated film B-Movie, which I believe stars Jerry Seinfeld, his voice. And I saw that and I thought, hang on, there's something in my head, there's something in the back of my head about that phrase that uh, I needed to look into. Uh, What I was thinking was that there's this uh, joke it might be an apocryphal tale, or just or just just a straight up joke. Uh, it turns out it is based on a little something, but uh, the joke is that there's an entomologist and an engineer sitting in a bar, having a few, you know, knocking back a few and having a discussion. And uh, and the uh, you know you know one's trying to see how much of a smarter scientist or whatever they are than the other, and uh, the, the entomologist says, "Okay, Mister Engineer Guy, you tell me this: How is it that a bee can fly?" So the engineer grabs a you know a cocktail napkin. Flips it over and he does some calculations. Oh, let's see. It's kind of the square root of the hypotenuse of the. You carry the one and they take the I 94 exit to the here and then you add the square, the other hypotenuse and you double the. Makes him bum, chump, chump. He does all the calculations and then he gets to the end of it and he says, ah! And he looks at the entomologist. It can't! Okay, well, this I guess stems from the idea that you know the the, the bee, honeybee, and other bees, wasp, and that the, the wings are seem awfully small for that for the fairly large body that these animals have or these insects have, and and it's how do they fly? How is it possible that flapping those little wings gets these things to fly? Uh, there was some fellow back in the um, oh what was it the I didn't write down the, the years. <laughs> 1830 or something like that. Something, it was back a ways. Some fellow named August Magnon, some French entomologist. I'm sure I said that name wrong. Oh, and by the way, the last show I did, when I was talking about the UFOs and a couple of the people that saw these UFOs, and one of them was the pilot, and I couldn't think of how to say his name. I couldn't get his name right. I kept mispronouncing it. Found out what it's Fravor. Nick Fravor. That's his name. Sorry, Nick. Didn't mean to mess up your name. I don't think you saw anything extraordinary. You 
just didn't know what you saw. That's just just put it at that. You don't know what you saw. Okay. Anyway, so um, so I'm sure I butchered August Magnon's name. A French entomologist thought that uh, the bee, uh, the flight should be impossible. So, you know, so this, you know, may have led to that joke kind of thing. Uh, but they do fly. Uh, and the the full line from uh, the movie that this little one quote that was pulled out of here, the full line is, according to all known laws of aviation, there is no way that a bee should be able to fly. Its wings are too small to get its fat little body, body off the ground. The bee, of course, flies anyways because bees don't care what humans think is impossible. Which is, that last part's true. Bees don't care because they, I don't think they have the cognitive ability to care. To even be aware that humans exist. They just, they don't care. <laughs> That's fine. But they can fly because, and I will link some video stuff of this to you, what was found using technology, uh, where you can take real high-speed video so the, 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 the movement is slowed way down and use some smoke, and you can see the air currents and that, and how the bees flapping their wings affects that. And what you see is the wings don't just flap up and down. They don't just go, you know, if you put your arms to your side and just go up and down, that's that's not how they go. A bee's wings will, you know, will flap down and kind of, they'll kind of curl. And then when they come back up, they'll twist. There's a little twist and, and you know, the twist one way going up and then twist back down the other way going down. And the downstroke of the wings sort of scoops the air and pushes it under its body, off its back and under its body. And the upstroke of it, the twists in such a way that it doesn't disturb the downward motion of the air that's flowing over it. And so it comes back up, doesn't cut into it. It just is the way they twist their wings around. Then they bring them back around again and grab some more air and push it down underneath them. So you see the airflow when you see the smoke going across them. The airflow is not interrupted by the upstroke of the wing. And not only that, the wings flap uh, up to 230 times per second, which is more than what a fruit fly's wings will, fl uh, will flap. They do like 200. And, and so it's so that's the, 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 the rapidity, the, 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 the speed at which these wings will flap, and the motion, the turning it around uh, motion, helps to make it possible for a bee to fly. So the the fact that uh, that the bee can't fly because its wings are too small and and all that, well, uh, it's not true. It's not true, it's not true I'm telling you Cause I'm up here and you're nowhere It's not true So there We have a new member to our family <clears throat> Well, not really <laughs> It's not a welcome member We have a mouse in the house <laughs> We haven't had a mouse in here for a while. Uh, I got up this morning. I mean, it's been some years. We've we've caught him and got him, you know, killed him. And I'm sorry, but we killed him. I killed him. Sorry, but uh, this was some years ago. Um, I got up this morning. Uh, the cat was scratching at the door again. It's been scratching at the door again, 
and we're wondering if maybe it's scratching at the door because it's trying to tell us there's a mouse in the house. Maybe that's why. I don't know. Hadn't been scratching at the door for a while. Anyway, so I got I you know, try to ignore the cat for a while. It's just, it's, it's, don't respond. If we respond every time, she'll just do it more because we respond. So we don't respond. Anyway, I decided to get up early, and uh, about an hour early, and I I, ch I I see that there's a message, a text message on my phone. It's from my son. He got up at like two in the morning. Was hungry, so he came down to make something to eat. And he texted me and he said, uh, uh, essentially, there's a mouse underneath the, uh, you know, the, our cat, Callie, is having a standoff with a mouse underneath the uh, curio cabinet we have downstairs. Yeah, uh, it's a really big, it's a break front, it's a big curio cabinet, it's, it's a, it stands on legs so there's space underneath it, but we've got uh, some bins, a couple of bins placed underneath the, uh, under, under it, and, uh, uh um, he says, the, you know, the cat's having a standoff with his mouse. And I, 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 I text back to him, mouse? <laughs> so I came downstairs, and I'm the cat's just kind of laying around somewhere. And then uh, um, she gets up for her morning treat. And then I'm, I'm watching her, and I'm, I'm saying, oh, so there's a mouse. There was a mouse under there, huh? And then I notice that, wait a minute, she's back interested at something going on underneath the, uh, underneath the cabinet there. I said, is it still there? Because she's kind of darting at it. Something's just, you know, and I said, okay. So I pull out one of the bins. And as I pull out one of the bins, a mouse comes out, pokes out, and turns right around and goes right back under because it sees me. <laughs> so so it goes back under. But now the cat's underneath there. And so, and then I pull this other bin out, which I, maybe I shouldn't. I should have left the bin in there. Maybe the cat would have been able to catch it. But I pull the other bin out, and, they, and it shoots across. Out from under the, 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 the curio cabinet and turns the corner in the kitchen and turns another, you know, turns directly left and goes under the door to the basement and gone. So I went, okay, we got a mouse. <laughs> so I got some traps and we'll, we'll see if we can catch this sucker. Yeah, it happens once in a while. And another thing that happened last Friday. At about 5.30 in the evening, I, I, I went directly from my day job to the office to the building that I clean on Fridays. I went directly there. I, I stopped to get something to eat, a, a chicken breast sandwich from, uh, from Wendy's. And I go on over and I sit down to my building. I sit down and have something to eat. And while I'm eating, I feel something like a pebble in my mouth. <clears throat> what the hell's that? And I, I fish it out and I look at it and go, oh, it's part of my tooth. It's part of a tooth. Presumably one of mine. I finish the mouthful of food and I run my tongue around my teeth to find where this broken tooth is and it's and it's right behind my canine on the right side of the upper part of my mouth. It's right behind it. And there was a big filling on that tooth from years ago. When I got it years ago, the dentist said, well, we'll see how long this la this holds. Because uh, you really should put a crown on that, but I can't do crowns because my insurance doesn't cover crowns, and I ain't paying no fifteen hundred dollars for a crown. And uh, you know, and so it lasted quite a while, and it broke off. Now it breaks at five thirty in the evening on a Friday at the beginning of a three-day weekend. And as I posted it on Facebook, I said, "How cliche." <laughs> now the one thing about it is that. Um, 
there's no pain. I'm not in any pain. I don't have anything going on. I had no pain. So the urgency to do something about it, especially since a busy week was coming up, wasn't too hard. If it starts to hurt, then I'm going to have to make arrangements. But we got a busy week. You had a busy week coming up with the you know, Monday off, fine, but everybody's going to be closed. And, 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 but all this compression of the rest of the week just wasn't going to have time. So there's no pain. All right, so today I recorded this on Fridays. So earlier this evening, I got home from the day job. I came home this time because I had to bring home the mouse traps I picked up. I came home. I made another chicken sandwich. Now, th this is a different one. This is one I made here. Uh, it's not the, quite the same kind of chicken sandwich I got at Wendy's. And I sat down and I'm eating my chicken sandwich. It's about 6 o'clock in the evening. And I feel a crunch, crunch, crunch. What the hell? And so when I cleared my mouth of the food, my tongue whirls around. That same tooth, another bit of the filling that was put in had come out. So again, it's on a Friday. It's after 5 o'clock, but at least it's not a three-day weekend. And I swear this tooth wants me to have a terrible weekend. It, it's just that it just hasn't exposed the nerve yet. <laughs> so I better get in, but next week's going to be busy again trying to get stuff scheduled. It's going to be it's going to be tough because I got to take the day off on Wednesday because that's the day my son graduates. It's going to be it's going to be difficult to arrange. So probably next Friday the tooth will break again, and then it'll expose the nerve, and then I'll have some pain. I'll have a miserable weekend. Well, let's see what I can do. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's not fair. Um, did I make... Oh, uh, I've gotten to my second break. So let's take the second break right now. Uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I'll be back after this break. the best radio possible. We will test your senses with innovative and entertaining radio programming. Honest, informative, inspirational, and on occasion, controversial. Our listening audience will also have the opportunity to interact with the show hosts and guests through live chat and call-in capabilities. You can't be left out of the loop. Tune into all our live shows once and you'll never turn your computer off again. Z-Talk Radio on your computer dial. Your healthy addiction. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Valtor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. He's endlessly pushing the rock of reason up the hill of paranormal. It's Dr. Dim, and you're listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. Hey, this is Danny Potts from the Kentucky Ghost Chasers, and you're listening to Z-Talk Radio. 
Welcome back to Dimland Radio here in the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. And now it is time for uh, another Dimland Radio Tales from the Janitor's Closet. I don't do these a lot because, you know, it's not the most exciting job in the world. It's pretty mundane. So, you know, the tales from the janitor's closet aren't always, you know, it, that interesting. <laughs> now, I want to warn you, as a listener, if you are squeamish at all about uh, death uh, and dead bodies, you may want to skip ahead a bit. Uh, I will try to take out the more uh, of the uh, of the uh, objectionable details. Uh, I, I, I thought about being, you know, very detailed and t- talking about this, and I thought, no, no, it's not necessary. Uh, the story's creepy enough as it is. Uh, you don't need to go too into detail. Um, so I, I will, I will, I will prune out the nastier bits. As best as I can. Uh, okay. Uh, in doing janitor work, part of your job, uh, part of what you uh, get to do as a janitor, is you get to um, access parts of uh, buildings, office buildings and such, uh, that the general public doesn't get to go into. Uh, the One of the first buildings I cleaned had a pharmacy in there, and I had to, you know, get there early so that I can go in and clean the pharmacy because the pharmacist needed to be there so I didn't take any drugs. Uh, there are other places like, you know, if you clean a bank, you know, you can go in behind the teller stations and all that. You just, the public can't do that. And there's places like, you know, a, 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 like the basement where there might be a, a secret room vault kind of thing, which you get to go into. There's a tunnel maybe between a couple of buildings. There's There are things like that, like the boiler room, or there might have some really cool aspect of, of, of a building, such as, here's a for instance, this is a pleasant one, it's not the bad stuff yet. Some years ago, we cleaned a building that was in downtown Minneapolis. It still is. It's an 11-story building. We used to do the common areas in there. And then we would work in that building, um, got to know the security guy, and found out that uh, you know we were able to get up on the roof. Now, I don't know if the security guy didn't care, but uh, we could get on the roof and just kind of look around at downtown Minneapolis, and it was pretty cool uh, to get up there. So that's not something everybody's going to be able to do, but, you know, but we could. Uh, there was also, there was a suite in that building. Now, I'm not sure why I had access to it, whether I was doing some cleaning in there, some carpet cleaning or something, but I, uh, maybe we were storing equipment in there. I can't remember exactly. But uh, it was on the side of the building that faced downtown Minneapolis, that faced all those buildings. And at night, when you walked in, there's a great big windows. It's like a loft space. And these great big windows... You look out, and it just looks. It was it was glorious. Just go in there. And I'd sit there for five minutes, just looking at the city. In the you know, I'd have the, the lights off in the suite, and I just look out there, and it's just it was it was great. It's just just one of those neat things that made cleaning toilets a little more palatable. <laughs> well, I know I gotta go clean those toilets, but I get to see this. This is cool. Well, 
this past week, on Wednesday, the boss wanted uh, wanted the uh, supervisor and me to meet him at a building that's near to the office. He says meet there at two thirty. Um, he, he we were we we're doing a scrub job in there over the weekend. Uh, I won't be working on the on the job, but he uh, he wanted the supervisor to come down. He's going to be running the job. He and another fellow are going to do the work. Uh, he wanted the supervisor to come down to see the areas that needed to be done. Now we have done these floors before, but it's been about like five years. So just refamiliarize what you want to do. Meet, and he wanted uh, the boss wanted me to meet the customer. So okay, so I came down. And before we got together, you know, uh, the boss said, "Now this building we're going to be working in is a funeral home." And he said when we meet with the customer and see the areas there's likely to be dead bodies in there and he asked me are you okay with that and i said yeah i'm okay with that you know they're dead bodies what are they gonna do you know they're dead they're just empty shells they're nothing but it is still kind of creepy but i i'd like i'll be okay the supervisor was a little more reticent and we got there, and the supervisor, you know, the, the, the boss tells the supervisor, and I says, you know, he says, this, you know, if, he says, says to the supervisor, no, if you don't think you can handle it, you can just kind of stay out here, and Jim and I will go through. And he says, okay. And then he, he kind of says, I, I think I'll be okay. So he started walking in, and he was okay. But then there was something that the, 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 the customer needed to do, so the, the supervisor and I stepped out of the room just not to be standing in there. And I told the supervisor, you know, you can hang back if you want to hang back. And he says, I think I might. And then the boss comes out and says, come on, let's go. i got to show you this. Makes him come back in anyway. Whatever. And, you know, the boss can be an insensitive asshole. So the first room we go into, there were at least five or six, can't remember, dead bodies in there. Now, they were all on gurneys. They were all covered with sheets. Uh, yeah, a couple of them, I could see their heads. That's as far as I'm going to go. So they're there. I stood between the bodies and the supervisor as much as I could. So if he looked over in that direction, he'd be seeing me more than seeing, you know, seeing the corpses or the you know the sheets over the corpses. We go into the next room. There's at least two and two two or three of them in there. Uh -huh, okay, looking at the floor, this is what they must do. And then we go go through. There's this hallway we go into, which lead, there's on the one side. There's the freezer. The customer opens up the freezer. D didn't look like there was anything in there, but they, you know, we want the floor done in here. And then we go over to a little desk, a little work area. And so we start talking. You know, she signs the contract, and and we're talking about what needs to be done and who will be there, where to come in, and all that. And and straight ahead of us is the is the inside of the garage that's in in the building. The big door, the big door is there, and there's a side door next to it, and uh, and as we're standing there talking, we thought, okay, we got past all the dead bodies. The side door opens up, and a gurney gets pushed in. A young woman is pushing in a gurney with another body on the gurney, wrapped up in a very nice sheet. You can't see it, but you you do know what it is. <laughs> 
and she pushes it into the garage area and we're walking with the customer out now we're out in the garage area that's where you're gonna get your water and you can pour the water down here and the other person's just standing quietly and and there's and of course the corpse isn't making a sound and we're having a conversation <laughs> around the dead body and it was um it was weird and odd so the supervisor and i were done and so instead of going back up the stairs that we came down when we when we got there, we get going. We came in through the front. We go out that side door, out to the back parking lot, which is where we're parked anyway, just so we don't go back up. Because when we came in, there was a service going on. I heard a woman crying and sobbing and and saying, you know, things that people say when they're having you know that kind of grief, you know. And and I'm trying to be as discreet as possible to walk and turn and don't look and don't just just try to you know try not to try to be as invisible as I can and and not go through there and I and I try to suggest to the boss you know you should come out this way too you should come out this way too I know you'll have to walk around the building but you should come out this way too because there's a service going on up there anyway so Paul, uh, the supervisor and I we went out to our cars and went off on our ways the bodies will all be removed placed somewhere else they won't be around at all they won't be seen so they can do their work and not have to worry about that but oh the places you will go as a janitor <laughs> and the people you will meet <laughs> oh man what kind of time have I got left so hopefully that I, I kept out the because I mean there was a, there's a couple things I could talk, but I just I'll leave it. But there's a couple of things. Anyway, anyway, let's get away from that. Let's talk about some cool stuff. These are some cool things I was going to talk about last week. Um, uh, not last Saturday, but the Saturday before. Uh, I go. I work at the comic book store Nostalgia Zone. It's over in Minneapolis. Uh, I work there every Saturday. Uh, during the week, I'll enter comic books onto our online catalog at, from home, and then I'll bring them in and uh, put them away at the store, and then I'll put some other stuff away or enter some other stuff. I'll do some work in the store for, I don't know, three, four hours, and then, then I head home. And uh, and uh, for the last several weeks, months, couple, you know, months throughout the pandemic, actually, there's another fellow that comes in on Saturdays, his name is Joe, and Joe and I will just, you know, he'll, he'll have some work that he'll do, and then I'll do, you know, mine, and we, we wear our masks, and we have our little conversations, but we're careful. And that Saturday, a couple Saturdays ago, came into the store, Joe comes in, and we looked at each other, and I said, well, you're fully vaxxed. And he said, yeah, I'm fully vaxxed, so do we take them off? Yes, so we took off our masks. Oh, it was nice. It was nice to work in the store and not have to wear a mask. It was very nice and it was cool. Yeah, and Joe's a cool, cool dude. Uh, very enthusiastic comic book collector and very uh, good at restoring books, making them, you know, trying to improve the condition of books. He's very good at that. Uh, anyway, he. It was good to see his face and to be able to not wear a mask in the store. And as I said, Joe is a very uh, uh, enthusiastic comic book collector. And he got one of his holy grails. Uh, and he brought it in. And I could hold it in my hands. 
he got uh, a copy of Batman number one. Uh, spring 1940 was the publication date. It's the you know first issue of Batman, not the first appearance of Batman, which everybody knows is Detective Comics number 27. That's the first appearance of Batman. But this was the first of Batman's title that came out. And uh, in that issue, he's with Robin. Uh, uh, it is the first appearance of uh, Catwoman and the Joker. First appearance of both. So it's a very key, important comic book for comic book collectors. It is always going to be valuable. As long as there are comic book collectors, that's going to be a valuable book. It's always going to go up in value. It's going to be valuable. Now, his copy was in about the worst condition that it can be in and still be desirable. <laughs> I mean, it, it was graded at a 0.5 by one of these uh, you know comic book grading companies. That the, you send the comic book out, the, the experts look them over, and they give, assign it a grade number, and they give it some information, and they slab it in a piece of in some plastic envelope thing, which means you're never going to be able to read that comic book. They do that with baseball cards, and that's fine, because the baseball card is just front and back. But a comic book has the pages in between, and I don't know, I kind of want to be able to look at the comic book. You look at the pages. But in this, you can only see the front cover and the back cover. Uh, anyway, his his copy does uh, does not have a back cover. Uh, hence, that's part of the low value. And it's got some other issues to it. But it's still worth a ton of money. He had to ask his wife permission and they finagled some finances to be able to get it. Uh, and and uh, I don't know exactly what he paid for it. But if it had a, it been graded at 9.8, which is about the best that a comic book can be, you can't get a perfect 10 because nobody's perfect. And a 9.9, I don't think it's fair. 9.8. If he had a 9.8 condition, Batman number one from 1940... That had been auctioned off uh, recently at, uh, I believe, $3.3 million. His was quite a bit less than that, but you could buy a car, uh, from what I've seen, that thing priced out at. I, I've seen it priced at $32,000 in the condition that he had. Now, I don't know if that's what he spent. I didn't ask him because that's kind of rude. And he didn't tell me. But I got to hold it in my hands. I mean, in the plastic case. But still, I got to be that close. Hold a major issue. You know, it's just like, wow. It was really, really cool. Another cool thing from that same day was that my friend Dave, who I hadn't seen since March of 2020, he came to the store. He had this is another cool thing. He had a he had a spare air conditioner, window unit that we, that Amy and I needed because ours uh, the one that we had for upstairs had crapped out just at the end of the summer. Timing was good for it to crap out because we didn't need it after that. He came by with an air conditioner. I got to see him. Gave him a hug. I haven't seen him so long. He's he's my, he's my best friend. Long uh, aside from my wife, of course. He, he let his hair grow long. <laughs> It's just something to see. But the three of us, the Joe and Dave and I, were able to talk and, and no masks. It was really cool. Brought the air conditioner home, and that, that was cool. I mean, it was just so awesome. And if I have a minute or two, I'm going to take it. Uh, I want to tell you this, uh, uh, you know, how I met Dave. Uh, I met Dave 
25 years ago. Uh, this October will be 25 years. I started working as a production artist in a silk screening shop um, in downtown Minneapolis. It's called Cold Side. It's still there. I think they're surviving the pandemic somehow. But uh, anyway, it's still there. And uh, when I started working there, uh, I work on the second floor. The art department's up there. The first floor is all the production stuff. Dave was one of the printers. And occasionally he would run the big auto printer, you know, which is a machine that you just kind of set it up and it, it does all the, you know, you don't have to manually pull the ink across the screen so the machine does it for you. And it rotates the heads, you know, the, 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 the trays along that you put the shirts on. And, some, and I would help out once in a while if there wasn't much for me to do in the art department. So I would put shirts, I would take the shirts off the boards and put them in the dryer. And Dave and I would get to talking, and, we, and I learned something about Dave. Let's go back to the top of the show, or early in the show. Dave was a fan of Don Vogel. He was a member of the Don Squad. And so we talk. Oh yeah, we talked about this was after Don had died, and we were just talking about some of the stuff and you know in, in, interest in that. And I also learned at some point that uh, Dave is really good friends with Chris Mars. I mean, since you know, again, I talked about him with you. So Dave is friends, really good friends with with Chris Mars. And so we're we're doing, working on these shirts thing, and and some point, and we're talking about uh, Don Vogel, and and Chris Mars comes up for some reason, and and Dave says, well, you know, uh, Chris Mars was on Don's show once, and I said, oh, he says, yeah, uh, we were out at the state fair, and uh, and and Chris went in and talked with Don and Tommy, and and I and I I looked at Dave. And I said, uh, uh, I asked him, I said, Dave, uh, was there a dork in the crowd that pointed out Chris to Don and Tommy? And Dave says, you know, come to think of it, there was. And I said to Dave, that dork was me. Good night, our doctor. Good night, Frau Blucher. It's true. Small world. Be skeptical. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Get vaccinated. Do the things you got to do. Come on, just do it so we can get out of this va this thing. You've been out uh, of the pandemic. You've been listening to Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com, and I'm your host, Jim Doctor Dim Fitzsimmons, reminding you to sleep with the lights off. That dork was me. check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission.
This has been a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. What did you think of tonight's installment of Dimland Radio? Wow. Wow. Well, I'm going to hell. hell.